Good morning. Welcome to the Cape League Roundup. Good morning. It is the 9th day of August 2022. I'm Chris Lynch. This is the Cape League Roundup, and this is the... Uh, wrap up on the division finals and the preview for the Cape Cod Baseball League Championship Series. We are here after what has been a long, winding, at some points agonizing, at some points far too long, at other points remarkably frustrating road to get us to the end of the Cape Cod Baseball League season. At other points rewarding before all the players who got drafted and all of the players who are going off to try and make their dreams come true in the big show and all of the effects that this has had on the Cape League and its ability to maintain teams and keep players together. We are here. We had a wonderfully entertaining day of baseball. We had a tremendously good opportunity to see great games and play good, mostly offensive, if we're being real, uh, mostly offensive heavy baseball. So let's get started with the conclusion to the Eastern Division Final, the Brewster Whitecaps are going back to the Cape Cod Baseball League Championship Series. They beat the Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox 9-7. Brewster piling up 15 hits. YD piling up 17 hits. That's 32 base knocks between the two teams. Uh, Almost everyone who played in this game and gotten at bat had at least one base knock throughout the course of this game. Um, almost everyone who got in and played a part in this game offensively got to really do something in a convincing offensive manner. It's just, it's just remarkable how much offense there was and how, you know, how easy the ball was flying at Red Wilson Field. It was a hot day. It was a humid day. Uh, there was a lot of wind. The wind was blowing right out to Dedaway Center Field. I sat in center field for this game, and so I, uh, I experienced that firsthand. It was wild. It was a great, great offensive display. Um, the way that the actual scoring works out, uh, I'll just break down the line score very quickly. The first three innings, actually through the first four innings, there were only one run for each side. Brewster got theirs in the top half of the third. YD you know, got theirs in the bottom half of the third inning. Carson Martini hits a solo home run in the top half of the third. YD gets their run on a Braden Montgomery single to bring home Caden Connor. It was a very, very well executed hit and run that brought him home to make it a 1-1 game. And it looked like we were going to be in for another close and a low scoring white knuckler game, particularly with both starters going. And it's worth noting that the YD starter, Drew Dowd from Stanford, had a much better time of it than did Brewster starter uh, Ryan Yer. Dowd, for his part, through four innings, gave up three hits, just one run, two walks, and five strikeouts. Yer went a little bit longer at four and two-thirds innings, but he gave up 11 hits, four runs. He didn't walk anybody. He struck out seven, but 11 hits in four and two-thirds innings. I don't think that he would tell you he really had his best stuff going, because in truth, he didn't. Um, but he was able to get through and eat enough innings so that the white cap bullpen could hold on. And by the way, just don't let me get this part out of the way. 
Nick Piero ends up getting the win for the Whitecaps. He only faces a grand total of two batters. One of them gets a hit off of him, and the other he gets uh, into a ground out. And he's the pitcher who is awarded the win. They gave Zach Grace from Wake Forest um, an inning of work. They brought in Ryan Packard. He ended up facing two batters, gave up a hit-by-pitch ball and a home run. Uh, The pitcher, really, you could say, who pitched the most effectively for the Whitecaps is probably over a long stretch of time is really Brennan Oxford, who throws the final three innings of the game. He gives up uh, one... Uh, three hits total, one run, which was earned. He walks no one. He strikes out six out of the 12 batters that he faces. Uh, for the playoffs, he now has an ERA of 192. In four and two-thirds, he has given up a grand total of one run. So he's continued to be pretty effective, though it wasn't his normal, what's become his normal Cape League dominant self. Uh, but he gets the outs that he needs to. He's the pitcher who pitches the most effectively. The loss goes to Luke Jewett from UCLA. And this is kind of the most confusing part of this game for me. Scott Pickler left this guy in for a while longer. He faces 17 batters, throws two and two-thirds innings, gives up 10 hits, eight runs, all eight of them earned, one walk and one strikeout. And the bulk of those come home in the uh, in the sixth inning. And by the way, your top offensive performer is Carson Demartini, who hits two home runs. Uh, the only two homers hit by the Whitecaps. He now has four for the postseason. In fact, Carson Demartini's performance has been just completely bonkers. In four games played, 15 at-bats, he has eight hits, six runs scored, has one double, has four home runs, has eight runs batted in, and has walked three times and has struck out three times. That's just insane that's an absolutely ludicrous performance and in the event of a Whitecaps championship win assuming that he stays on anything even close to the pace that he has been on which if he does stay on the pace that he's been on where he's hitting 533 and actually he's the second best batting average guy on his own team David Mendham out of Oklahoma State is hitting 543 and 11 at-bats with six hits and five runs scored. Those two guys stay on the pace that they're at right now, and Bourne has a hard time of getting him out. Brewster's going to win the championship. But if in the event that the Whitecaps win and Carson is on any kind of, Martini is on any kind of pace that he is at right now, he'll win the playoff MVP at the rate that he's going. Uh, eight runs batted in. That's the most out of anyone who... Uh, has played total and is left standing. Josh Grower and Chris Brito have six RBI each. Kind of tells you that the NCAA completely botched it by leaving Rutgers out of the NCAA baseball tournament. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. And um, just, you know, just saying. Anywho, so four home runs, which is two, uh, two more than the second place people who have uh, that total. And eight hits, only three people have more, and all three of those guys are now officially out of the postseason. So, uh, Demartini sets the pace with two home runs, scores two runs, drives in two runs, and it looked like he was going to be the only guy who really got much of anything going, and they walked him the next two times he came up to the plate after that. 
Um, the Whitey Red Sox strike for three runs in the bottom half of the fifth inning after Demartini puts the Whitecaps up two to one. And it was almost immediate after the Demartini blast that Whitey's offense really woke up. Cole Carrick hit a double, Woody Hayden hit a single, and Brady Montgomery brought them home with a double. Uh, to really break that part of it open. And then Hayden shot with a single to bring home Braden Montgomery. And it looked like YD had finally found their offensive momentum and their pitching was going fine enough that they were going to be able to go in to the, uh, that they were going to go into the end of the game and win it and send it back to Brewster for game three. And then the top half of the sixth inning happened and everyone went, oh, um, no. Curtis Byrne and Cam Fisher with singles to start off the inning. Davis Diaz on the ground out that moves him up. Chase Atkinson with a single that brings in those two. David Mendham with a single. Ryan Lasko with a double that brings in Chase Atkinson. They intentionally walk Carson Demartini. Then Nick LaRusso with a single that brings in Mendham and Lasko for the fifth runs. They do get Demartini out on a caught stealing, and, they, and then they get Dylan Goldstein to fly out to the first baseman. That ends the uh, that ends the top half of the sixth inning, but not before the Whitecaps scratch across five runs. And then Whitey answered right back in the bottom half of that inning with Cole Carrick hitting a two-run bomb to cut it right back down again. Brewster answers for two more runs in the top half of the seventh inning. Chase Adkisson with a bloop single that brings in Davis Diaz, and Ryan Lasko with a single uh, the first base side that brings home Chase Adkisson. Lasko really had a pretty good game. Two hits, two runs scored, and he was kind of cold the back end of the season, but he really picked it up. And Chase Adkisson drove in three runs in this game. That's the most um, on either side. So a really great bit of work by a pretty balanced offensive attack by the Whitecaps. And that's the end of the scoring. By the way, your top uh, offensive performers for the uh, Whitey Red Sox, Braden Montgomery, who actually pitched in this game as well. I I guess I'll mention this right here. Uh, There were two position players for the Whitey Red Sox, Montgomery and Cole Kerrig, who um, pitched which was kind of wild, and I didn't expect for... Uh, I knew Montgomery had pitched a couple of times. I didn't expect Carrig to actually see the mound. In fact, before the uh, he pitched an inning and two-thirds at Orleans and got four strikeouts, which, dang, I did not know that until I uh, uh, took a look at that and realized that he is like super, super good on the mound and can get real stuff. And also, he hit 333 for the playoffs and 329 for the regular season. Like, Cole Carrig is a legit, legit player. Um, he came on and threw the final two innings of this game with a hit allowed, no walks, and two strikeouts. Like, dang. And Braden Montgomery pitched as well. Um, only got one guy out, struck him out, did give up a hit and two walks, but. Uh, didn't give up runs while he was pitching, and it, it, this was remarkable. And Montgomery at the plate had three hits and drove in three runs. Uh, it was it was something, man. Uh, it was really something to see how they were able to play it. And by the way, Gunnar Antillian, the um, uh, third baseman in this game from New Mexico State, had four hits, including a solo homer. The Whitey offense was cooking and was really gunning, and it felt like at any point in time, YD was going to surge back into this game, and they just could never come up 
with the final surge that would get them over the hump. The YD Red Sox go down to the Brewster Whitecaps for the third series matchup in a row, 17, 18, and now 22. The YD Red Sox are defeated by their rivals, the uh, Brewster Whitecaps. They uh, have not this is a drought for them and really only them for how successful they have been under Scott Pickler. They uh, have not made the finals since 2016, which they won against Falmouth. Uh, they won a playoff series again. They made it to the division final again. And Scott Pickler set the record for the most wins in the history of the Cape Cod Baseball League for one manager. And to go along with the six Cape League championships that he has won in his tenure at the uh, at Red Wilson Field is nothing short of absolutely astonishing with just how well this team has performed, how well he's gone to uh, Pickler has been the manager of the Whitey Red Sox since 1998. In that time, he's led the team to three uh, championships in the middle of the 2000s, 04, 06, 07, led him to the finals twice also in 2010 and 2012, a 10-loss to Katuit and a 12-loss to Wareham, and then three consecutive championships in 14 Falmouth, 15 Hyannis, and 16 Falmouth. That's eight times that he has led his team to the Cape League Championship Series, and Scott Pickler has been a fabulously fabulously successful manager and has done everything that you could ever think and hope for out of the uh, out of the team and has gotten every ounce of talent that he could have gotten out of every single team that he has had and has gotten more out of it than uh, than in some cases like the 15 team was not a more talented team certainly than the Orleans team that year and he led them to a championship and led them to the top spot and led them to a win. It's just incredible how well he has performed for the Whitey Red Sox for their fan base and has uh, performed for that town and that that program. It's it deserves nothing but the highest level of respect owed towards him. And they finished 19, 17, and eight in the regular season this year. And they just don't have enough to get by Brewster. They don't have enough pitching to slow him down. Brewster just about barely had enough pitching to slow down the YD Red Sox in round one. I'll give you the uh, facts about Brewster's history and spot in the postseason in just a moment. Before we do that, let's jump over to the last game of the Western Division Final. This was not as kind of offensively dominant as uh, as the Eastern game was. That isn't to say there weren't runs. There were plenty of them. The Bourne Braves, once again, for the second year in a row. The Bourne Braves are going to the Cape League Championship. They beat the Hyannis Harbor Hawks 7-4. to uh, each team gets eight hits. Bourne is a little bit more efficient in how they get their runs across. They win a wildly impressive game and an impressive series. They really balance their attack beautifully. They attack it so well. It's a great bit of work. And uh, the Bourne Braves, under first-year manager in the Cape League, Scott Landers, are on their way to the championship series for the second year in a row. It's 
just I don't know how you have anything other than overwhelming and tremendous respect for what these uh, for what these guys have accomplished for what these guys have been able to achieve for what these guys have been able to uh, to do uh, the way that this individual game worked itself out born has only lost one game on their way here they lost a game in the prior round against Falmouth they pile up eight hits each team gets a run in the first inning in front of a crowd of over 5,000 people they showed up to McKeon Park that's what happens when the biggest built-up urban area on Cape Cod has a team that does well it's a good thing for the league actually that Hyannis is a viable contender. It's not a great thing for the league, actually, if Hyannis is down in the doldrums, as they were for the last couple of years. So the way that these runs come across, Chris Brito with an RBI single to bring home Matt Shaw, and Drew Erhard with a single to bring in Mitch Jepp. It was tied up until the fifth inning when the Bourne Braves exploded for three runs. Chris Brito with a two out three run bomb that he launches to uh, put the Braves out in front in a big way and they blow the game open a little bit more in the next inning Josh Moylan hits a two run homer and at that point you're looking at a six to one ball game and Hyannis has just no life at all and Bourne is cruising and then came the bottom half of the sixth inning in which the uh, Harbor Hawks woke up and were able to get something going. Uh, Poncho Ruiz grounds a ball into a fielder's choice. Patelli is safe on an error by Bourne shortstop. Jackson Ross comes home on that play and ends up scoring a run to uh, get them a little bit closer. Then Nolan Chanuel with a single to bring in Dominic Patelli. And then... Uh, Riku Nishida with an infield single that brings home Pancho Ruiz. That makes it a three-run inning, and at that point in time, Hyannis was within two runs, and then Bourne got one more run in the top half of the seventh inning and put the game out of reach. Josh Kuroda-Grauer with a fielder's choice that brings in um, Mac Horvath. That is the end of the scoring. The win goes to Bourne's starter, Rob Adams from Southeastern. Really effective in this game. Throws five innings, gives up four hits, a run which was unearned. Walks two, strikes out seven. The save goes to Ryan Fisher from the New Jersey Institute of Technology. He was asked in the early part of the season to be a starter, and he turns into a closer at the back end of the season throws the final three innings of this game with a hit, no walks, and three strikeouts to send the Bourne Braves into the Cape League Championship Series. The loss goes to Ty Langenberg from Iowa. He only throws two and two-thirds, gives up two hits, three runs, all three of them are in walks, two strikes out three. A little bit more uh, comes off of the guys who follow on afterwards. The the next guy who follows on afterwards, Patrick Harrington from Northeastern, actually transferring there from Assumption, a D2 school in uh, Worcester, Mass., from Bedford, New Hampshire, that is his hometown. So that's 
that's how the run scoring ends up working and how that part of it ends up working out. Uh, your top offensive performers in this game, for Hyannis, it's Drew Erhard, the DH from Tampa, from the University of Tampa. Three hits and a run batted in. Riku Nishida from Mount Hood Community College who will be transferring to the Oregon Ducks. Three hits, no runs, a run batted in. He's effective. He's really good. Shanuel and Ruiz with a hit each. Shan, uh, with a run batted in each. Shanuel gets a hit for his part. And on the other side, Chris Brito. Two hits, four runs batted in, and four at-bats and a run scored. Matt Shaw with actually his first hit. Uh, excuse me, second hit of the postseason. He's not had a great time of it in the playoffs. The man who hit 360 in the regular season has two hits on 16 at-bats and three runs scored with two runs batted in. Now, when he's made contact, he's really caused a whole bunch of problems for uh, for his opposition, but his opponents have really done a good job in making sure that the Cape League MVP isn't really getting much of anything. Of course, the problem is then that everyone else in their lineup has been overwhelmingly effective and has done a great job, namely Chris Brito, who has been a monster in the middle of the Bourne lineup, hit 286 in the regular season, is hitting 333 with a homer and six runs batted in and three doubles. Was a doubles machine in New Jersey, and he's doing more of the same out here, and was a big power threat in the middle of the Bravos lineup for the whole regular season. So those are really your top uh, performers. Josh Moylan as well. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention him from East Carolina. Um, two hits and eight at-bats. He hasn't actually gotten—he's only played two games in the whole postseason, but he's been effective when he's gotten the opportunity to play. And going into the finals, I guarantee you they will find an opportunity to play that man throughout the course of the uh, postseason, of, of now the final series, actually. So that's um, that's the Braves' effort. That's the end of the season for the Hyannis Harbor Hawks. It's a wildly important season for Hyannis. I cannot overstate how awful the Hyannis Harbor Hawks were in the 2019 and 21 seasons. 9-32-3 and in 19 Eight twenty-eight and zero in twenty-one. They did have the league batting champion in Clark Elliott in the twenty-one season, but that team was awful the whole season. Just, just awful. And they were on their third coach in three years. Chad Gasman, who had a pretty successful time of it in Hyannis, led them to uh, two times in his tenure to win the regular season Western Championship, led them to the Cape League Finals in 2015, and was a game away from winning it against the eventual champion Whitey Red Sox. And then the bottom fell out from underneath them. Two times in his last three years, they finished in last place in the Western Division. End up falling out in um, really bottoming out hard at the end of the 19th season. They bring in Gary Calhoun for one year in 21. Their president dies during the uh, during the off season. They bring in a whole new president, a, a new general manager, a new field manager. They overhaul and completely reset the organization 
And for a lot of the year, they were first place in the whole league. They end up finishing third in the regular season, and they win their first postseason series since 2015. It's genuinely astonishing how big a turnaround this was. To go from don't even think about losing to these guys to being two wins away from playing for a championship. Eric Beatty won the Manager of the Year award this year. They had a bunch of guys who had just amazing seasons. Uh, Beatty was uh, was your top man for the Manager of the Year. Uh, Riku Nishida was the uh, sixth man of the year award. Jordy Allard was the top New England player of the year. They had guys up and down this team who were just fabulous, fabulous, fabulous players to watch. And it honestly kind of stinks that Hyannis isn't going to continue their turnaround into the championship series. But that is how that's going to finish up. Um, it's a great season. Beatty's going to be back. I would be shocked if he does not win a championship in Hyannis in so, at some point during his tenure there. He has gotten the command of his, uh, his dugout, his clubhouse, He's going to be there for a while, and Hyannis is not a pushover team anymore. So congratulations to all of them. Okay, so we're on to the finals. And for the second year in a row, and the third time since 2017, the finals matchup, Bourne and Brewster. This is starting to get a little bit familiar with each other for... Oh my goodness, I can't believe that we're actually here again. That we're it's really astonishing the fact that, you know, we're back here. Brewster trying to become the first team to win consecutive championships since YD in the middle of the tens, and actually YD won three consecutive Cape League championships before them. Also YD in 06 and 07. YD had also won in 04. Before then, Wareham in 2002. Two um, before them, you have to go back actually a bit of a ways to oh look YD again <laughs> in '89 and '90s when you have to go back to to figure out when the last time it was that um, that teams had won consecutive championships. But I believe, and I'm looking through this right now as I say this, the last time that we had. A consecutive finals matchup, meaning two years in a row, the finals matchup was exactly the same as it was uh, the year prior. It was 1978 and 1979. The Highness Harbor Hawks played the Harwich Mariners in the Cape League finals both of those years, and Harwich and uh, Hyannis won both of those championship series. Bob Schaefer at the helm of the Hyannis Mets at the time. They end up beating the Harwich Mariners in both of those championship series. And those were those were longer series than what we play now. They were best three out of five instead of best two out of three, which we're never going back to a point when it's best three out of five for a championship. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it ended up being a... Uh, both years, a 3-1 series win for the Harbor, uh, 
the Harbor Hawks. I say that as a force of habit. They were the highest Mets at the time, and this is the first time since the end of the Jimmy Carter administration that the Cape League has had the same opponents in the finals two years in a row. That is... That's something, man. That's really, really something. It's worth noting that the uh, regular season matchup kind of heavily favors Brewster. The Whitecaps swept a doubleheader between these teams at Stony Brook Field, lost the very first game of their season at Duran Park, and then won the second game of their season at Duran Park. It's... um, it's a great bit of work by the Whitecaps to have that type of regular season against Bourne, and they really needed to with how tight the Eastern Division was and how home field was a coin flip between either being to them or to YD. So um, it's a good it's a good sign that, of course, Brewster can win this championship. It would be this is, by the way, the first time that the Brewster Whitecaps have appeared in the Cape League Championship Series two years in a row. They made the finals in, two, in uh, 1994 for their first ever time. They uh, lost out to Wareham that year. They didn't make it again until 2000 when they beat Chatham in the semis and then Hyannis in round one. After that, they did not win a postseason series until 2017 when they won three and went to the championship. They then, of course, played two postseason series last year and won them both, beating Harwich and then Bourne, going on to win the championship. And now they get to face the Bourne Braves again. The Braves' postseason history History is as follows. And by the way, both teams came into existence in 1998, though there were prior iterations of teams in the Cape League who played in Bourne, but the modern iteration of these teams came into existence in 1988 for both sides. So, uh, as far as the Bourne postseason history is concerned, the Braves did not make the finals from their founding in 1988 until 2003 in Harvey Shapiro's first year at the helm of the Bourne Braves. Bourne was not very good. They had one year in which they finished first in the West, their second year in the league, actually, in 1989, before they fell to the Hyannis Harbor Hawks, who themselves ended up going on to lose to YD. It's almost as if YD has been very, very good for a long time or something. Uh, But after that, they did not do much of anything for a while. They made the Cape League Championship Series twice in the middle of the 2000s. Of three, they lost to Orleans. Oh, five, they lost to Orleans. Uh, then they made it in 2009. They played Orleans in round one and beat Katuit in the second round. They didn't make the championship series again until 2017 when they lost to Brewster, and they did not make it again until 21 when they lost to Brewster. They have been to the Cape League Championship Series five times in their whole history, all of them since 2003. They have won the championship one time. They finished first place in the in the West in 2009. They beat Orleans, and then they beat Katuit in what was a slightly changed format, considering that Orleans is, a, is an Eastern team and Katuit is a Western team, and you had two Western teams taking part in the championship series. But, you know, sure, let's go with that. That's how that ends up working itself out, I suppose. So, 
those are the histories. There is a fair bit of recent history, certainly between the coaches. Scott Landers was last year's Brewster Whitecaps pitching coach. He was one of the most important factors in getting Jamie Shevchik's staff to a championship, and Landers has been incredibly successful as a head coach at the Division Three level in the NCAA at uh, SUNY Cortland, I believe. He has been just an incredible, incredible coach, and he led his team to first place in the West and the first place record in the league overall. So that is the remarkable bit of uh, kind of small world stuff that we get to enjoy. And as far as the actual uh, kind of team performances are concerned, this has been this has been really, really interesting. Uh, as far as team batting average, Brewster as a team is hitting 310 as a unit. As a unit, they're slugging 585. Born is last place in both of these categories. As a team, they're hitting 236, and as a team, they're slugging 348. And as far as on base percentage, only Harwich has had a weaker on base percentage than the Braves. Bourne has really leaned on a couple of individual players who have been just outstanding at kind of the individual level to get them to where they have gone on the, on the hitting side of, uh, of things. Bryce Elbin from Alabama is hitting 375 so far in, uh, in the postseason. Josh Kuroto-Grauer has been a very good pickup. Chris Brito has been quite excellent so far through the course of the playoffs. Brito and Kuroto-Grauer have six runs batted in each. Brito has six. Uh, they both have six, of course. Brito's hitting 333 as well. But it's been really those guys. If the heart of the lineup is really cooking, then they will go out and get you and cause some real considerable problems. Otherwise, you can get other guys out in their lineup. It's really Elbin and Kuroto Grauer and Brito have been the top performers in these four games in the playoffs. You can't ever take Matt Shaw lightly. He has been, he was the league MVP this year and was absolutely phenomenal. Evan Slight can also come up with some real hits and Matt Horvath has been quiet, but he was great during the regular season and he's always capable of turning it on. As far as the Whitecaps offense, uh, I mean, like... The top batting average guy is David Mendham, who's hitting 545. The second best average is Carson Demartini, and Carson is uh, currently the favorite for playoff MVP with eight total hits, four of them being home runs. He's hit four home runs in his last two games in the YD series. He's the hottest player in the league right now, and it isn't close. It's just kind of insanely ludicrous how good that man has been in the postseason. And also, he uh, was a true freshman last year and is only going to be a sophomore this year. That's just... Okay, everyone else is going to be having a lot of fun with this. And Brewster's been getting other contributions. Nick LaRusso is hitting 357. Curtis Byrne is hitting 353. Cam Fisher is hitting 308 with a pair of bombs throughout the course of the season. Davis Diaz hitting 250 and has produced. Ryan Lasco has come up with big hits and has really produced. Like the Whitecaps have threatened and have gotten people across and have scored and scored and scored and scored. They have been just plain phenomenal. 
And then you get to the fact that the born pitching has been a step ahead of them. Though it's worth noting, as far as the earned run average across the games, Bourne has played one more game than have the Whitecaps and Bourne's team ERA as a unit is 409. The team batting average against is 244. Only Falmouth had fewer, though Falmouth has played two fewer played two fewer games. Brewster as a pitching staff is giving up a 297 batting average. So guys are getting on base. And if you give Shaw and Brito people on base ahead of them, you're going to be in some real big problems. The walks and hits printing stat, the whip stat, which I always find to be actually kind of the most effective. Uh, it's a 139 for Bourne. It's a 144 for the Whitecaps. They're not that much further behind them as far as the total pitching staff is concerned. Bourne has given up 29 runs. That's actually fewer than um, than Brewster has, though it's also worth noting that um, Bourne has pitched eight more innings than have the Brewster Whitecaps. They've played in an extra game, basically, is uh, is their situation as far as the earned run stats. It's exactly the same number. That's another thing that's worth noting. Bourne has given up nine unearned runs throughout the course of this postseason run. And if that trend keeps up going into the final series in these next two games, if Brewster does not give up an unearned run and Bourne gives up anything close to that and the difference of that many of your runs are unearned, and Brewster is only giving up the same number of earned runs with... uh, Brewster has not given up an unearned run to this point in the postseason. They've committed errors and they've given opportunities, but they've always recovered from it to this point. If that trend keeps up, Brewster will win the series. That's just... Brewster is going to win the series if this keeps up up. It's worth noting that the Braves are going to not have Rob Adams from Southeastern who threw five innings just the day before the series starts. The um, uh, Whitecaps probably going to throw Troy Butler who's a late pickup from Herkimer County Community College who's going to SUNY Binghamton uh, in the fall who's been remarkably effective. Brennan Oxford has thrown twice and he looked a little bit shaky at points but ultimately pulled through um Braxton Pearson was very effective in his start. He'll probably be starting one of these two games. My guess is that they'll start Braxton in game two. I'd be unsurprised if they start Randy Reyes from uh, Central Connecticut State. Uh, that At least that would not surprise me a ton. It's possible that they could do something completely and totally different. Uh, I'm, I'm, of course, not the pitching coach for the Whitecaps, and I don't know how they're going to play it. I'd be curious to see how they decide to uh, do so. It's also worth noting that on the Bourne side of things, Ty Cummings uh, hasn't thrown an outing since the series against Falmouth, in which he he's only thrown two games, has gone two and two-thirds innings, and has given up two total runs. So uh, their back end of the bullpen guy has been, or the, or the guy that they have trusted the most in that role, has been a little bit shaky, but it's a small sample size, and there's always an opportunity for a reliever to knock down that earned run average in a pretty quick way. So as far as how I think this series goes, well, if Bourne keeps up the trend of giving up that many unearned runs and gives the Whitecaps opportunities, the Brewster offense will make them pay and make them make it hurt severely. 
if Brewster is just unable to get hits and if Bourne can get one or two top-level pitching performances, at least one to get get you a game because Brewster has had kind of a interesting time with pitching throughout the course of this postseason, which is to say that they've um, won two games with a final score of 9-7, to seven, which means that the offense has been cooking while the pitching has been hanging on. So uh, if that trend keeps up, then it's absolutely possible for Brewster to lose this series. It's possible. It's possible that we get three totally different games and it's right on down to the wire. It's possible we get two similar games. It's possible that one side is just plain old better than the other. I don't know what to expect out of these teams, which is kind of a wonderful thing, actually, for the series. I like not knowing exactly who's going to win. I like not knowing for a fact what the matchup is going to look like. I enjoy that. Truly, I do. And I'm actually really excited to see how these teams perform throughout the course of this series. So I'm not going to make, I haven't made predictions for any of these rounds. I am not going to make uh, more predictions because I don't know who's going to play. I don't know who's going to perform. I don't know who's going to show up. I don't know if Carson Martini is going to keep up his stretch of being the hottest swinger of a wooden bat at a baseball alive. I don't know if Matt Shaw is going to break out of it or if he's going to stay in the same slump. I don't know yet. It's just there's so much unknowable stuff in this game that you just have to watch and enjoy the baseball games in order to know who is going to win. There is no clear way to know other than to show up. Uh, The first game of the Cape League Championship Series will be at Duran Park, 6 p.m. is first pitch. I am not sure at all who the Braves are going to throw as their Game 1 starter. I am less sure of who the Whitecaps are going to throw as their Game 1 starter. But I think we're in for a really good series. I really do. I think we're in for a tight and competitive series. Brewster is trying to win consecutive championships. Bourne is trying to get some level of revenge. This is going to be awesome. That's it for this episode of the Cape League Roundup Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for spending your time with us. I'm Chris Lynch. We hope you have enjoyed your time with us this morning. We hope you get to enjoy the Cape League Championship Series.